Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are finishing up our month-long foray into the city on the edge of the end. This is the final part in our four-part series, so if this is your first time listening, obviously you want to go back and listen to the first three parts of the series before we give this a listen. And usually what we'd be doing is creating your worlds. And if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. Of course, if you want to come and chat with us more directly, you can come to our Discord where we talk about world building, general stuff, and just the podcast in general. Mostly, if you want to come chat with us about anything, we're here, we're there, we chat about it. It's good. It's a fun time. Come hang out. Oh, a lot of, lot of stuff going on in the world of RPGs recently, and uh, we've been talking about that. Of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always come to our Patreon and give us money where you'll be handsomely rewarded with early episodes, patron exclusive episodes and patron exclusive discord stuff. So if you're interested in that, or like I said, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always do that clicking on the link in the description or going to our website or just kind of Googling world build with us, Patreon, and then Bam, I'm sure that you'll find your way eventually. And with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and roll right into our episode. And last we left off, we had our twist for this month-long series. And the twist was, an evil cabal slash secret organization is behind everything. So let's dive right into that. Courtney, how did you reconcile your twist where an evil cabal slash organization is behind everything. So since we already have a lot of evil cabals and secret organizations in the present day of the setting, uh, I wanted to go a ways back in time to deal with the everything part of the twist. And my thought is that the end of the world, that location is not a natural occurrence, but was actually created by a sect within an ancient civilization that has since disappeared. Uh, It was a group that was maybe trying to harvest psychic or spiritual energy Mm -hmm. in order to concentrate it and use it to do something. I'm not exactly sure what, or even if we need to like define it fully, uh, but maybe it has to do with like creating a, a wormhole to travel to another place or dimension, or they accidentally created a black hole. I'm not sure. Mm. But whatever the case, the end result was the end of the world and all the weirdness surrounding it. I feel like Daniel just perked up when you said uh, <laughs> black hole and or wormhole. Uh, oh, I just had a thought, though. Maybe they were trying to create or harness an actual god, not just an angel. And that oh. was the result. Okay. We wouldn't even necessarily have to do something with like a god. Like our angels are still so catastrophically out of control and unpredictable that like we could still maintain that kind of angelic part of it as well. And, you know, we, we haven't really given enough credence to the power level of the angel. So it's quite possible that our angel is potentially powerful enough to start the end of the world as we currently know it. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
It also makes me wonder um, when we talk about gods and, and angels, like, mm. do they have a particular meaning outside of kind of what we generally think of, like just having lots of magical mm. powers? Like a, when you talked about a, a race trying to potentially summon a god, it makes me think if this were a setting that wasn't like some kind of, I mean, I guess it could work for like a medieval setting too, but it does it mean like they were trying to conjure the perfect symbol or the perfect number or were they trying mm. to you know, conjure the infinite and the result is something godlike and mm -hmm. angelic. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, like, how do we think about these beings? Is the conjuration about something sacred? You know, like, what does God mean to them, essentially? Yeah. Just a quick aside before we continue on here. Daniel, conjure the infinite is such a cool phrase. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just want to put in if we can make that the title of the episode. Just want to just want to make a special case for that now, unless we come up with something even cooler. But <laughs> but I think Conjure the Infinite, like that's a cool episode title. I just toss it I agree. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I could see them being really focused on the acquisition of knowledge and sort of that the idea of like delving too far into the unknown to try mm. to learn things that maybe they don't. They don't understand like the base enough yet to mm -hmm. to really delve deeper. So that's why it like backfires and starts this end process. And uh, a question I have as well, right? What's to stop people from mistaking these angels for gods themselves? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there has to be some kind of historical record that puts the angels in proper perspective, right? If these angels are so demonstrably powerful like forces of nature that are impressive and awe-inspiring and horrible and all that stuff right what does the god look mm -hmm. like because if these angels aren't gods unto themselves that suggests that humans have seen gods on earth right or at least there's an inference to that level of power so what's the difference that we're making there as well i guess like do we need gods can we just deal with angels? Oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I guess we have the God Forge, but mm -hmm. like I said back in episode one, that's more of a just a phrase to refer to it, not necessarily literal. Right, right, exactly. But but my question is, right, like, are we calling them angels because we want them to be like forces of nature? Or would these beings be called gods? Would they be de facto gods? Because, right, like, Angel implies that there's some celestial body that is subservient to a greater being. So if we call them gods, that's fine. But like angel is such a specific phrase that it suggests that there is a higher celestial court or body that is in charge of them. And we don't have to necessarily like dive into what that is or what it looks like. But I think that if we're going to imply angel, we have to at least pay some lip service to gods in some way, right? I mean, I like the suggestion. Some of the things that an angel suggests um, is uh, being a messenger of something. And mm -hmm. I, just as mm -hmm. you said, like belonging to some other greater celestial existence. And I like having that suggestion, but I don't think I care so much about defining it at all. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there are some people in the setting who think that the angels are instruments of some greater being. Mm -hmm. But then I'm sure there are other people who just see the angels as like horrible, otherworldly alien things that have landed mm -hmm. on our in our world yeah. and have this supernatural sure. presence. So it's almost like to me, the, the suggestion is enough. Mm. Right. So what is the suggestion? Like it doesn't have to be terrestrial. It doesn't have to be like, oh, there's a God off in the distance, but there has to be something there 
that implies something even more powerful than the angels. Right. And, and again, like I'm fine. Like if we don't focus on it, I'm fine if it's like way off in the distance there, but like, I, I feel like we have to at least glance at it in some way. Does that make sense? I think we can leave it fairly nebulous. And last time we had mm. talked about that, like the angels are the stars, like the sort yeah. of construction oh, yeah. Yeah. of this universe is different in that like it's not an infinite universe. There's like a sort of celestial area that's inhabited by these angels mm-hmm. and they like are summoned down to the earth. Right. So right. maybe like the celestial sphere is sort of the God figure in the setting. Oh, that's cool. Like there's this idea that we're, we're basically in the palm of God, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're in the grasp of God and like the angels are just what we can see, right? Or like they're the closest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. I can, I can support that, but we're getting off track from your man-made apocalypse here. Do we want to spend time talking about the fact that like this ancient cabal is responsible for a premature apocalypse? I mean, I think the implication there for the present day is that that could happen again. Like the end of the world could spread if that event Mm. were to happen again. And maybe that's what is potentially going to happen with the God Forge if it's Mm -hmm. not wielded correctly or if it's if it's misused. Um and it sort of is being misused. So <laughs> I was going to say, like, Courtney, I don't know about you, but I know that our Godforge has been used properly, wielded in every good way possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yep. That's what we're interested in here. I guess the question, too, is what were they trying to achieve exactly? Um, and mm-hmm. we don't have to be super specific, but a notion of what they were going for, you know, and mm-hmm. why it's the opposite. So if that were to occur again, then, you know, what are they seeking? Like, for example, were they seeking um, a pattern of perfection that if achieved would create the perfect being, right? Mm-hmm. right? So in that case, what's the modern interpretation of that and the danger of pursuing it? Or does this cult and its remnants still exist? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I can help with that a little bit. So I hear evil cabal. I hear a secret organization. We have angels in our settings and God damn it, I couldn't help myself but want to add their counterpart, of course, which are demons and devils. Mm -hmm. So now, mind you, I actually didn't come into this with too much in terms of specificity here, because I'm interested in seeing what we build off of this together. I'm interested in the idea that there is either a singular devil or a singular demon who's involved with this cult and possession plays a big part of it. So that's my contribution. I want a singular devil or demon somewhere involved in this cult. And I want possession, whether it be demonic possession or some other kind involved with this cult as well. I think that might help us kind of give a motivation to the cult. But I'm Mm -hmm. interested in what Daniel has to say as well. Um, It makes me think if I have to go back to what they're after, and I keep coming back to the concept of like some sort of perfection, that perhaps this person is either um, a perversion of their intentions within their cult and is slowly ruining it, Mm. or um, maybe his or her perception is opposite of what they've gone after in the past and they take control of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, in order to know what demons are, what the opposite of of what they're trying to achieve is, we got to know what is it they're trying to achieve. I'm going to just throw this out there. I love the idea that these demons, as we know them, are immortal to the detriment of their own being. 
So they have lived forever since the beginning of time. And what they seek is the end of existence, the end, the, the ability to die, right? So what I want out of that is they seek the oblivion of everything because that's the only way that they know how to end their existence. <laughs> so if we want to do it that way, immortality is like a curse for them. And this way, we also add this kind of interesting caveat where it's like, yeah, demons exist and boy, are they pissed about existing, right? When you had brought up the idea of possession, that makes me wonder if the psychic connections in this world are related to that. Mm. Like if that is a possession, actually. Oh. Um, I don't know how to expand on that really, but just something about the idea of like these demons kind of calling out to people and bringing them to this area for some other purpose related to like the psychic communication. That's really interesting because that could add to their anguish if they don't have mm -hmm. control over it. Right. If they're, if the demons are literally conduits for psychic thought, then they have all these mortal thoughts that are being forced upon them. Right. Like continuously. And so again, that would actually add to their kind of motivation to end all life. It's because they just want silence. They want quiet because mm -hmm. the chattering of millions of psychic minds or thousands of psychic minds are like kind of maddening to them. I, I think that might be an interesting kind of motivation for this otherworldly psychical force, right? And whether or not they're the source of psychic powers or just kind of a conduit for them, there's something interesting that I think we can kind of deal with there. Yeah. And we've also got the, it was a, a single person or multiple souls or right. an entity within the God Forge that's also sort of doing this like psychic communication. So oh. I wonder if that's tied in with this cult too. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I mean, we, we've not really given too much information about this entity, right? Or maybe mm -hmm. we can just add in the fact that like, oh no, they are actually a demon. Like the whole God forge is kind of a misnomer in that it's like literally a devil forge or a demon forge or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just that they're, they're just tapping into that raw power in some way. Of course, there's always the fun phrase, you know, we are legion, right? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's a demo. I mean, Exorcist three, by the way, is a great underrated movie. If you want to go see it, Exorcist two is dog <laughs> shit. It's absolutely terrible, but Exorcist three is legit. It is actually really, really fantastic and surprisingly dark and gritty in a lot of ways. But anyway, I'm getting way off track here. I, I'm just tossing this out there. So, so if the demons represent eternity um, and have been around forever, the angels must be the opposite then. And and what, um, oh. again, I'm coming back to the question of what was the cult trying to achieve in their initial mm -hmm. messing with this, this, I guess, their original version of a forge that made this line? Because... If the demons are opposed to that, then we have a sense of what they're about and how they fit into everything. Because so far we've got we've got angels that are undefined. They're just kind of appear, right? Randomly. Mm -hmm. And then we have these demons who are more constant and it seems they have more deliberateness to them and they have a way of uh, infecting minds. So I'm trying to figure out like thematically how do these all tie together? One thing I'm interested that you said here mm. is you kind of put angels and demons as a sort of opposing force. Yeah. Do we have to have that be the case? No, I just wonder um, how do we define them in juxtaposition with angels, right? Right. Oh, I see. So you're wondering like, okay, if angels are massive forces 
yeah, how they differ, how do they fit in, like, mm-hmm. what do they think of each other, okay. structurally, narratively, like, how do they fit together? All right. So if angels are natural disasters, right? Like, yeah. they are mm-hmm. a hurricane who who sweeps through the city, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can have it be, and this is thematically appropriate as well, demons are like a long-time scourge. They're, they're a constant, right? If angels are a storm, then demons are the weather. Okay. So they're a constant undercurrent. And and I mean, we can turn that into a psychical thing if we're interested in, in something like that, where they're capable of um, long-term things. Because again, if, if the theme that we're running with with demons here is eternity and angels are more about instances, then temporality is kind of the theme that we're playing them off of each other for. Okay, so then running with that, so we've got, we've also know that angels are part of the structure of the universe. They fall, right? right. And then mm-hmm. they have these temporary horrible effects. So then perhaps demons are some something innate or structural to the world, like the mundane world. Mm. Like if the celestial space is temporary and the stars fall in this universe, but the earth is eternal and the demons mm-hmm. in it are eternal. Now you have a structure, right? So like, right. and then it, then we have an interesting question that gets posed because our setting has a lot to say about memory and memories that can be extracted mm-hmm. and traded. Mm-hmm. And so the question I'm asking here is like, are memories parallel to the temporality of angels or are they parallel to the persistence of demons? I'm going to, I'm going to say that why not both? Because we have the God forge, right? Like, mm-hmm. So I, I think that when we talk about temporality here, we actually look at how the God Forge functions yeah. and it creates stasis out of temporal moments, right? It creates mm-hmm. long form versions. So it's kind of a perversion of a natural state of the world in some way. God. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it makes perfect sense in sense of like, um, when I'm thinking about how religion often talks about demons and perverting the material right. world mm-hmm. it's right. almost like if if memories are the stuff of angels like the the dream stuff of angels just mm-hmm. running with the metaphor the demons are weaving it into something physical that sticks on the earth in some way right they're trying to hold on to the ephemeral because they're mm-hmm. trying to they're trying to be ephemeral right i guess like what are your thoughts about using the world the city itself as kind of like representing eternity in the physical realm and the cosmos being what's changeable because it's usually the inverse like in a normal mm. cosmology yeah, right. and that's that's kind of the interesting part of it right like mm. normally we do see the infinite expanse as well actually no it, it is constantly changing so the fact that we see our planet as a constant is i think that i think that's on point i think that's kind of mm-hmm. you know in line i mean i guess in the actual world it's or the the heavens are changing so slowly or so they're so far uh, away that we can't really notice that. But here it's like you can look up at the sky and maybe the constellations have shifted because the angels have shifted. Mm-hmm. So that's like an interesting difference there. Um, I wonder then, like, did the creation of the end of the world have something to do with these demons like coming to form? Were they part of the results of when that happened or have they been around even longer? So, so are you suggesting that the demons are like a cage or like their, their body in stasis is kind of a form of punishment? Uh, no, but that's also interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I guess it could be like, are the demons, the current demons, the remnants of that sect that I had talked about. And this is 
their like eternal punishment that you were saying. Mm. Oh, so mm. could they have been created as an attempt to make, um, I mean, I guess the question, again, the question is what were they trying to do? Maybe they were trying to make the heavens permanent or fixed. And in doing that, mm. they turned themselves into demons and they made themselves eternal. So it, it, we're doing the ironic punishment thing mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Like they became immortal and now because you can't fix the heavens and that's a rule, you know, that they tried to break. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you look upon them in despair, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that like mortals have risen upon their bodies in some way or like mm-hmm. at least around them is kind of interesting or, or they're they're drawn to them like a beacon or something like that. That's yeah. really interesting. Because now I'm thinking of like demons beneath the ice and humans are inexplicably drawn to them for like psychic call reasons mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And we could even do something along the lines of like the apocalypse that you can see off in the distance is a giant ruse. It is a farce and something that doesn't even exist or something like that. But I think that I like the literal apocalypse being on the horizon mm-hmm. a little bit more than I like that idea. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. With your demons, they're currently leading a cult. Is that it? Or a cabal? I think so. But but I realize now that we've been talking for a while and Daniel still has to reconcile <laughs> yes. with his side of the twist. Yes. So maybe Daniel can add in some insight that will help put a bow on this reconciliation. Maybe it's a demon-shaped bow. Maybe it's flayed skin that's a mm. bow, you know, if we're keeping with the demonic theme, you know. So Daniel, pop in. Tell us what's good. Um, When I was thinking about what could be part of a secret cabal, the thought I had is what's really important to the setting is the line and that it's sacrosanct and that it's order. I don't remember if we had any reasoning towards order, but that it's order is fixed and unknown. I thought it would be interesting if there there's a truth underneath that, that in fact, there is a pattern to how the numbers are assigned that can be understood Mm. or deciphered and that there are people who are trying to make sure that pattern isn't discovered because it would ruin the line. Hmm. that's really interesting that you bring that up because I thought that we had established that there was a way, like you have to beseech part of the city. Like you have to beseech the God forge in order for you to get your place in line. You're, you're essentially taking a ticket, right? Right. Because- right. But I just mean like that, because that, that is, you get the next seat in line basically when you go up to the God forge and you give your memories mm-hmm. or whatever. But what I'm suggesting is that um, the order that it decides is as not actually arbitrary. Okay, see, I, I get, again, I, I suppose this is a good point for clarification because in my mind, that order is literally the order in which you go up and take your ticket. Like, it's a matter of you go to the city and then one of the first things you do is you wait in the queue and you take your ticket and then, bam, that's it. Oh, okay. Because I thought perhaps like your order isn't necessarily the next person. It's just kind of like you get a slot assigned to you. So, so you're suggesting that it, it is in some way randomized? Mm-hmm. Like I thought, because I mean, sure, there's there's possibly the image of thinking of it like there's a literal physical line of people and, and you know, they're all waiting for their turn. But I thought like the order in which is fulfilled isn't isn't necessarily the order in which they appear. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like that adds a little bit too much chaos to it, though. <laughs> I would, yeah, because right? I, mean, like, I, I didn't like obviously I still envision like the city having built up as lines around it, obviously. But right. I didn't know if the. If it was like one to one, like you go there and then it's fulfilled mm-hmm. at that moment. You know, I thought you go there and then you get a slot and then you wait in line, you wait for your thing to get fulfilled. 
Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. That is the case though, that you, you get your ticket essentially mm-hmm. first. It's like a deli counter. Like you yeah, grab yeah, your ticket. Uh, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that it wasn't like, you know, like you could get your, it could get fulfilled shortly or it could take some time, you know, cause you don't know the line orders necessarily. Well, I think you can, you can jump the line by like paying for that transaction. I think that that's for other slots that yeah. exists. Right. Exactly. Through like right. trade and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that the, the status of the line was an unknown, like you couldn't necessarily know your slot, you know? Oh, you're okay. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that, yeah, that, that's a lot of chaos that we're going <laughs> on here then. Yeah. Even so, like, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm just, I'm just suggesting that there's like, perhaps there is a pattern that allows you to manipulate your place in line. Whether I, I was going to suggest that's that mean. that's an yeah. easy way that we can do mm-hmm. it where yeah, yeah. you can see people who are like, oh, how did they get ahead of me? You know, like mm-hmm. it's an anomaly, you know, and maybe part of it is like a, a matter of there is a corrupting influence on the line. And that yeah. is the demonic influence of, you know, maybe oh is that part of it like maybe cultists have a way to manipulate it through sacrifice or through Mm. something uh sacrifice is the easy one because again we're talking demons and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but that's kind of an interesting way to approach it that there is a way outside of the normal trade where you can't and and, and maybe it's just blasphemous like Mm. maybe it's like a cultural thing where it's like we would never think about subverting the line like that right and, and these people that you're talking about daniel are like nah fuck that we're gonna blaspheme where <laughs> we care more about you know this than the other thing that's an interesting conceit okay that i can vibe with and they have to keep it secret otherwise like you know you cause panic right right and yeah the fact you would have to keep it secret too mm-hmm. right like you would definitely you can't just be like oh why'd you jump the line what the right. hell happened you know <laughs> or especially it's like that motherfucker's broke i know he's broke how did he jump so many spaces mm-hmm. in line that makes no sense to me would that tie in with the criminal faction that we just established before that was like yeah. also they could be line? their leader could be a demon you know yeah. I was going to say, like, is the entire criminal faction just like a bunch of like demon demons. worshippers? And I wonder, too, the demons might not all be aligned with each other. Like there might be like because they're they're yeah. forever. Right. So there might mm-hmm. they might be demons in different pockets and different factions. You know, I can support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely support that. Like maybe maybe the man with the big number that we talked about mm-hmm. in the previous episodes, right. you know, maybe he is, in fact, a demon and he likes the fact that he's in line. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's what's kind of messed up about it, too, is this idea that, like, a demon is in line for the Godforge. And maybe he keeps his number high because he's afraid of confronting the Godforge in some way. There's a lot you can do with that. Or maybe it doesn't tick down for him because he is a demon. Mm. Oh, so you're suggesting that. Oh, that's really interesting. OK, that's cool. Like it it knows. And it's like, no, you're just going to just pass that number. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's even oh, and the idea that it's kind of like a secret or a mystery is like, why does that not happen? Mm-hmm. And like there's people who kind of know and then there's people who know and it's like, oh, 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 you definitely don't want to make a deal with him or you definitely don't want to steal from him or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. That's cool. I like that. I was also wondering if uh, the angel dust that we had talked about in another oh, God, episode is yeah. how you skip in the line if you are inhaling mm. actual angel remnants Hmm. well now we're getting into like ingestion of celestial bodies is definitely Mm -hmm. something that i've used in previous uh in previous settings with you guys or or games that i've run with you guys before so 
if a deacon of hate shows up, then we'll know that we're in the right area, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was episode two where we established like literal angel dust that is being used by these like really wealthy. Right. As illicit <laughs> yeah. substances. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely an episode two for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. I feel like we've reconciled most of the twist. How do you feel about that? I think it's fine. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. If you think this is narratively unsatisfying, hey, send us a DM in the Discord or come chat with us in general. That's fine. Or if you got a better idea, hey, come on down. Let us know. We'll hear about it. And with all that, by the way, like so many cool fucking ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So many great ideas that are in there. Now we get to do something that I think is a really fun kind of recursive event where in the very first episode, Daniel made me deeply uncomfortable by trying to get me to see the world, which was at the point completely unformed, right? From the viewpoint of a character. And I hated it. I really <laughs> did. And uh, now that we're in a point where the world is is very solidly kind of created and formed, I thought it'd be really fun to come back and do that again, to see the world from characters' perspectives. And Daniel, considering that you're the one who started us down this road to begin with, why don't you start us with your character? Who did you bring to the table this time? Um, this person is an, an, a non-person. So they're, they're someone who woke up on a surgical bed and they have been stitched together. Their mind has been stitched together by a collection of memories. And so they don't know their actual identity because their memories have, have basically, they, their head has been used as a place to store or secret away a bunch of memories that they don't want anyone else to get their hands on, but it's been stored away in this person's head. So it's a person whose identity is buried under all these memories that are foreign to them. Well, Daniel, that's cool as shit. And I really (laughs) love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, as a player character in an RPG or as a protagonist in a book, like you're literally made of hooks. (laughs) There's so much (laughs) that you can do with that. Right. So so that's really interesting. So, okay, when you're picturing them, they're a collective of shared memories, right, mm-hmm. essentially. And some of them are incredibly dangerous and need to be hidden. Yeah. Do you see this person as uh, someone who is like a naive fawn or is this like I'm basically Jason Bourne with like all these like combat <laughs> skills built <laughs> into me or something like that? And I just had my memory wiped. It could go either way. I mean, now that you mentioned that, it might be right. a cool way to play it. Um, I could also see, you know, the kind of um, damsel in distress character if they're mm. supposed to be sort of MacGuffin unto themselves. But um, a Jason uh, Bourne concept would be pretty cool, too, because then they could call on memories that they didn't know they had. Right. Yeah. And the the shock on their face as yeah. they like, effortlessly <laughs> kick someone's ass. Like, uh-huh. oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. You know, like, That's super fun. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And also makes you think of everything everywhere. All yeah. Once, you know, like I was thinking that versions. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I still haven't seen that. So, I've, I mean, yeah, I got to get on it. But it also kind of reminds me of MK Ultra, like just yeah. the secret mm-hmm. program mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like you speak, you're like banana bread. And then all you of just a sudden like, you suddenly. just go fucking berserk. Yeah. 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 So, okay, Daniel, let's let's talk a little bit more about this character, though, right? So this is obviously created by some, this person mm-hmm. and this procedure is obviously created by someone, yep. right? I don't want you to tell me who that is, but is this the first or are they part of a collective? Like, oh. how unique are they? Is this mm-hmm. something that is going to be unveiled throughout the story? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. 
from a story perspective, if I were using this, or even if it were in a game, I probably would want them to be unique just because then they become really mm-hmm. valuable. Like maybe it's mm-hmm. really hard to do this or like it's the first time it was successfully done. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so like capturing them would be like extremely important or and that's why they, maybe they're mm-hmm. always in the run in the party or you're protecting them or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got major cyberpunk vibes. Yeah, to it. exactly. Like, deep cyberpunk vibes mm-hmm. to it. And I'm and I'm totally cool because in this case, right aesthetically are you seeing them as like a whip stitch corpse that is like looks like frankenstein but like a more aesthetically pleasing frankenstein or do you see them as like just a regular person but it's just the inside of them that's been reconfigured or like some kind of mixture my first thought weirdly was that they're like mechanical hmm. that's your go-to isn't like it? an like, android kind of like you know like the clean think hmm. of like um what's what's the old black and white movie with the Metropolis. Metropolis sort of android, and maybe they're mm-hmm. dressed up enough to look like a woman or whatever they uh, want to hide, okay. but they're actually chrome. I thought that was kind of neat, but I, I could totally see a stitched together Frankenstein. I could see them being normal and their mind being stitched together. Like all those could work. Right. I think. And I think, honestly, you have a very different story depending on what they look yeah, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the interesting thing. Because if they're a whip-stitched corpse, then that's it's like, That's oh, <laughs> interesting. Frankenstein. Yeah. Hey, you know. Or if they're like a straight up, like, uh, I can't remember her name from Metropolis. It, the name is escaping me. But yeah, I don't know the name. The android in, in Metropolis, right? Like, mm-hmm. who's like, do you know, um, have you seen Boardwalk Empire? No, but I've, you know, I've seen clips of it. Okay, so there's a character who suffered horrendous burns and they have like this really obvious fake part of their face covering it. Mm -hmm. And that's like that was like kind of the go to for the time. And I'm imagining that this person, they dress in like kind of robes and stuff like that. And then they just have an obvious fake face. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're clearly on the run. They just can't show themselves because they don't have anything to hide with, really. It's just like a simple mask or like a cloak. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, Daniel, a very important question. Do they have a number? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that would be neat. If they did. OK, yeah, maybe they're up next. That's when they wake up and they know they're up next. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So they put in they've been put in stasis or mm-hmm. something like that. Oh, that's even what the intrigue. My mm-hmm. mouth is watering. It's like, do so they go interested. to the thing or do they hide? Because they, they're up next, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah Actually, yeah. we didn't really talk about like what happens if somebody just doesn't go to their yeah time slot when they're summoned that's true isn't it yeah. like is it is it that once you're up next you can go but if you just don't go it just the door is open or is there like a window you know i think we established there's like a 24-hour window oh, or something okay. like yeah. that where you have to go within the next 24 hours or like you lose your spot or something that like means that. this person has sure. a, a run to do basically if they're going to try and get there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they look down at their wrist and their crystal is blinking red? Because yep. this also sounds like a little bit like Logan's run to me uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Speaking of things that we have yet to consider about the setting, I mean, I actually could bring in my character now because I think it's interesting. Because one thing I was thinking about as we're kind of approaching the setting and everything like that is what happens to people who have already used the God Forge, right? Oh. Are they allowed to use the God Forge again? Are they marked permanently as having already used it? Mm-hmm. And I've decided that I find it a lot more interesting if they carry a mark that they have, in fact, used the God Forge and it disbars them from ever using the God Forge again. Mm-hmm. I think. To me, that's way more interesting as a conceit because you get one shot 
and that's it, right? That's the that's the kind of like play on mortality of it as well, right? Mm-hmm. So my character is actually kind of a simple person. They've decided to stick around, and when they got their shot, they actually created a hammer out of their material. And what they do with this is they've they were essentially the first artisan or not the first, but they are now an artisan for this kind of God metal smithing. So the hammer that they use is their way of molding, bending and creating different artisan goods. Right. And and initially they were kind of in a good spot. They're highly regarded for their talent, for what they're good at, except now they've kind of, lost a little bit of um, joy for the craft. And they're kind of just, I'm thinking of Adam Sandler's character from Uncut Gems, where they're kind of a scumbag. They're remarkably successful, but they're a lot more involved in the kind of seedy. And mind you, they're still a remarkably successful and talented artisan, but they, they've let that luster dull just a little bit, and they've gotten wrapped up in all sorts of unsavory dealings and business. And that's kind of where I wanted to introduce the character, where they're successful, they have a ton of money, they have a successful business, but the the noose around them is starting to tighten just a little bit as they get a little bit more and more out of control. So that's what I want to toss out, and that's where I am with my character right now. Sorry, could you repeat the part about, like, What's causing them to go out of control? I don't have an answer to that, uh, okay. actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do that with. I, I kind of left that open-ended to see if we can maybe slot in some some connections or something like that. But I like the idea that this person has connections with the good and the bad sides of town. And they're kind of like a broker, right? They're kind of in between in some ways. But there's something that's drawing them a little bit more and more to the skeezy part of this business dealing. Could that thing be something that maybe someone that they've lost and and that's why they're wading further and further into the dark side? Potentially. I'm thinking that what they gave up when they had their shot, you Mm -hmm. know, like maybe that maybe when they, oh, that's actually exactly what it is, isn't it? Mm. When they gave up part of themselves, right, to create the hammer, they thought that it would allow them to be happy and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it would remove the grief from their life. And it did. (gasps) Did they give up their memory of a loved one to do that? Exactly. Exactly right. Yes, exactly right. Mm -hmm. So they gave up their memory and for a while it worked, right? They were able to focus on their work. They created this mini empire for themselves. Mm -hmm. And after a while they're like oh it still doesn't matter right like they're still they can still feel an emptiness inside of them mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure that out mm-hmm. and that to me is like really interesting and so you see them because they have this empty part of them they start to like drift towards the kind of cd part a little bit more mm-hmm. to try and quiet the the howling void within them mm-hmm. It gives me some noir vibes, potentially. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't help but love noir. I know it's white as fuck. I ironically. love noir. I think it's uh, no, uh, yeah, but I'm like, oh, man, I'm so there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mind you, I don't see this person as like the main character. I definitely see them as like a side character in this right. kind of conversation. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. 
And uh, I love the idea that the big deal with this person is that they have connections, right? They, they know mm-hmm. a guy who knows a guy, if anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is kind of the interesting aspect that I would want to play up if I were playing this or writing it out or something like that. They're also very helpful um, in terms of structuring either a story or a game and that this could be a central character. You know, it could be the straight character that all the other ones can uh, integrate through. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be easy to center them. That way you have someone yeah. to follow, you know. You could even use them as, like, a quest giver. And so, like, for low-level yeah. games, That's right? Possible, like, yeah, this too. is definitely mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm also wondering, too, if this person's, like, missing chunk of memory is related to Daniel's uh, mishmash Ooh, of memories. Oh, yeah, I bet. Like, if that's sort of looped in there somehow. Oh, maybe, yeah, that person's memory is in the other person yeah. in part, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I don't think we ever talked about this, but I love the idea that the memory that you give up can be, like, transferred or moved somewhere else. Yeah, because right? don't they like, sell them and make them physical and sell them in various ways? Well, they make them physical, yes, but we've never talked about the idea that they're like bought and sold or yeah. anything like that. Wait, I thought so, that, that was like did, the yeah. resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was resource. I thought that was the core resource of the setting. I thought, well, no, I thought that when you have that material, oh, right, right, right. We had that dichotomy. You could either mm-hmm. turn it into like something like an yeah. artisan craft or you, oh, okay, okay, okay. So that's I remember we had like a drugs that yeah. you could like remember their memories to or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, okay, so, so then that's what happened then. He made the hammer out of this thing and then maybe he sold it or maybe he got rid of it once he got to a certain point in his career because Mm -hmm. he feel like he didn't need it anymore there we go yeah okay that's exactly what happened got it okay so so courtney you're Mm -hmm. the only one left you got to tell us all about your character how and why do they sacrifice children (laughs) (laughs) wow um no i i'm actually gonna be a bit boring with this one i'm going back to the same concept that i had in episode one where I had the idea for a like psychic researcher scholar who was drawn to the city or beyond the city towards the end uh, because of some like psychic pull they were feeling from the person that they're telepathically linked to who had gone beyond the wall towards the end of the world. Mm. And um, based on everything that we had talked about so far and, and in this episode too, I think so far, um, I think that's still a viable concept, especially because there's that entity inside the God Forge who's been calling out to psychics and, And now, Rob, we have your demons who are sort of psychically possessing people. And I think this woman is going to take on the role of like an investigator, which which too is like very noir, (laughs) Uh, Mm. just investigating all the the craziness going on in the city, the various less than upstanding factions that we've got, uh, the misuse of the God Forge and all of that. Mm. You know, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is this idea that None of the factions in our city are demonstrably good or like even a little good for the most Mm -hmm. part. And I really appreciate that. I really love the fact that, yes, we're at a point where it's like, yeah, there's only shades of gray. There's no good here. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, Courtney, let's get back to your character. So they're an investigator in the Mm -hmm. setting, right? Yeah. What does that look like? What does that mean? Who pays them? So I think originally they come to the city as like a researcher or like that's their their role in the outer world, basically. They're mm-hmm. some sort of scholar. And once they get to the city, they realize that things are very complicated and there are a lot of questions that have gone unanswered, a lot of people that have gone missing, including the one that they're probably struggling to find. 
Mm. And they probably get involved in in looking at deeper, uh, probably deeper than they should look for their own health. But uh, they're compelled to to look into things that don't quite make sense to them. Interesting. Okay. No, that sounds dope as hell. I'm just like, okay. Mm-hmm. We literally have, like, I'm thinking about this, Daniel. You literally nailed it. We have a we have a noir story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Like, <laughs> I mean, the pairing 100%. of. The pairing of your investigator with his character, I feel like, are like the central forces because you've got the person trying to solve a mystery and then you've got the person who has mm-hmm. all the connections, you know, who's also in trouble. And you the mystery. The mystery, mm-hmm. right? So it works. Yeah. You're yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the mystery. I'm the person with the connections. Courtney is the investigator trying to. Yeah. Okay. Daniel is simultaneously femme fatale damsel in distress and MacGuffin all wrapped into a singular person (laughs) right Mm -hmm. yeah that's come on come on we okay this happens a lot right where we will come to a setting and we'll sit down and we'll be like oh all of this just so happened to work serendipitously or we leave hooks where we can add that in Mm -hmm. and it's like we look at this and like we did not plan a fucking second of this but it looks like we did right. 100%, right? And it's like, damn, this works so well. We've got our, we've got, okay, we don't even have to do a main quest line because we've literally done we made that. the story yeah. already. Yeah. Got it happened through yeah. the characters. It's wild. Much. Yeah. Damn, that's awesome. I could see this working as like a pre-gen, like you pick one of the three archetypes to play yes. as your character. You could be like the mystery the investigator or the, I don't know what you would call yours, Rob, but <laughs> <laughs> the <Yeah>. other one. <laughs> <laughs> I like the other one. Yeah. yeah personally. That yeah. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What is the archetype called for like the contact person, right? Like that, that I know that has a name. Fence. The fence. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have a legitimate business, but maybe that's the, maybe that's part of it is that I'm also dealing in like stolen mm-hmm. goods, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm dealing in stolen goods to try and find the thing that yeah. was taken from me. Uh, that's what she wants. Yeah. Obviously. You yeah. Got like a noble intent underneath. Oh yeah. my God. Guys, we, it keeps <laughs> getting better. The more that we talk and about that it. piece of memory of her or him is inside of, um, my robot or, or slash Frankenstein. And so that probably helps you get closer, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And, and obviously when you start the, this whole thing, I have no idea that you have any of those memories, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Or, or perhaps alternatively, you are the one who shows up at my shop because you do have memories. Yeah. Of and me. I don't know how to solve it. Yeah, and you're exactly. like, yeah. oh shit, you're the person mm-hmm. from my thing, you know, like me. Yeah. Oh, there's so much you can do with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's cool as hell. I love mm-hmm. it. I absolutely mm-hmm. fucking love this. This is great. Yeah. Okay. Again, I don't think that we need to do a main quest because no. we literally just fucking did it. I yeah, think we're good. Yeah. I think we nailed it, you guys. Like, damn. I think we're good to go. I think so, too. Though one other thing to consider is that since my researcher lady is psychic, that means that maybe demons have gotten a pull on her in some way. Yes. yes. Their I, I was going to suggest that you are yeah. capable of channeling demons or like being actively being possessed by demons. maybe that's oh maybe part of your whole suite is like you're essentially uh oh what's the word you're a medium right Mm, maybe that's another part of the puzzle where you can actually 
be a medium to the mystery, AKA Daniel's character where mm-hmm. you can channel some of those memories and you can, ex- you can relive some of those memories through them. And of course, yes, we do have a cabal of demon worshiping yes. uh, bad guys running after. And then of course they all, they also have mob connections. As well. It's all literally coming together. We it's so effortless. It's so fucking good. We fucking <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh my God. Yeah. Fucking crushed it. <laughs> fucking swish. All that good. All sports ball references. Bam. Crushed it. Absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed it. Oh my God. <laughs> Guys, we did so well here, right? I had a ton of fun. This is our last episode. Is there anything else that we want to talk about before we say goodbye to this setting for the time being? Well, one thing to remember too is that we're not truly saying goodbye because we are going to be doing the part five for the exclusive you know what Courtney? you're absolutely right all of that will be going up on the patron exclusive episode so if you want to have an a part five of this setting you can go over to our patreon that will probably be for the month of february is my guess is that right Courtney? yes definitely february um, so I, yeah, I mean, with, with that all of the way, uh, I guess that's going to wrap it up for the city on the edge of the end. So a huge thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, remember that because this is a fairly new thing that we're doing, this is the first time that we've ever actually done it to give us your feedback. Let us know whether or not you like this kind of longer form series, or if you want to go back to the shorter stints into more settings over the time. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. You can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. You can follow us on social media over at Let's World Build on Twitter. You can come and join our Discord if you want to have longer form conversations with us. Tell us in person, kind of, about what you think about this longer form setting or about anything in general. Come tell us about your own demons, your own angels, all that good stuff. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or you want that fifth episode of this uh, series that we're doing, you can join our Patreon with a link for that on our website and in the description of this very episode. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you oh so very much and we're going to get through this together until next week. 